Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Betting Pros podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm your host, Dan Harris. With me today to take an early look at the Week 10 NFL Lions is Joe Pizzapia. Joe, thank you for joining me. How are you? I am well, my friend. It is nice to see you again. I know you are getting very um, fatigued, as they would say, getting podcast fatigue. Uh, you're getting live stream fatigue, which is something if your stream isn't very good, I heard you should see a doctor about. But overall, I got to say, I'm always happy to have you on these shows. I'm happy to be doing these shows with you. And it's uh, it's not as easy as everybody thinks, right? You're just going out there and you're giving all this energy and all this stuff here for show after show, day after day. And look at you. You look exhausted. See? Uh, we look. We've had internet issues today. We've had we've had a bunch of things going on. Uh, but the biggest thing that I am uh, really looking into right now mm-hmm. is I am so happy to turn the page on week nine and move into <laughs> week ten because week nine was absolutely nuts. Again, I'm at Dan Harris eighty. By the way, I don't think I gave our Twitter profiles. I'm at uh, Dan Harris eighty. He is at uh, Joe Pizzapia seventeen. Is that right, that Joey? Is. Yes. Wonderful. By all means, don't follow me. Yeah. Don't follow him. It's it's not worth it. Um, All right. We're going to do our early look here at week 10 uh, NFL lines. We will look at the spread and the over under, see if there's any value in it. Obviously, we had some uh, news shortly before we started recording where sounds likely that Nick Chubb is going to be out uh, this week. So, you know, that's why you got to pay attention to the lines early on and before, you know, or immediately after news break, see if you can get in and get where you are. Let's first give the offer from BetMGM, which is for new customers. You can bet $5 and you can win $100 if either team scores a touchdown. All right. So if you bet $5 in cash for new users, you win $100 in free bets if either team scores a touchdown. Basically, a no lose proposition unless you bet on the Bills or the Jaguars last week. Use code <laughs> JUICE100. Uh, that's it from the Daily Juice podcast. Uh, that's how you get that great offer from our sponsor here, Bet MGM. Thursday night game, Joey P. We have got the Ravens visiting the Dolphins. Uh, the consensus line, and this is where it is at every single book, mm-hmm. is the Ravens on the road laying seven and a half, a total of 46 and a half. We obviously have a few question marks here. We don't know if two is going to play. Sounds like maybe might be a long shot here with the finger. Sounds like Latavius Murray might be out again. So what do you think here with seven and a half and a total of 46 and a half? Well, I don't think Latavius Murray matters. Let me just put that out there. We kind of talked about that on our Fantasy Pro show yesterday, where I think Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, whatever they've got, it's enough. Lamar Jackson's all that matters. So as long as Lamar Jackson's healthy. And and the seven and a half feels right here, um, especially because we don't know if two is going to make it back in time. Uh, and Jacoby Brissett is capable, but not great. The seven and a half is like whenever you're on the road to that kind of a number, especially when you get the kicker with the half point. I'm always a little hesitant there because there's a lot of scenarios you can write where all of a sudden garbage time, this closes the gap a little bit, or maybe short week, things of that nature where you're traveling. To me, that's always a, a little one that I would stay away from a little bit. However, the 46 and a half on the over-under, the over is very appealing to me for two reasons. Number one, I just mentioned that Jacoby Brissett is capable, right? He's capable. He's going to find Gusecki. He's going to find Waddle. They're going to be able to move the ball to some degree, and the Ravens defense has given up points. They gave up points to the Bengals. They've given up points to the Vikings. I mean, they're giving up 30 spots like it's like it's water and someone's running a marathon and they're just handing it out there. Would you like a 30 spot? I've got a 30 spot right here and people are just grabbing it and teams are drinking it. Joe Burrow was drinking it and Kirk Cousins was drinking it. So as far as I'm concerned, the 46 and a half is actually a very appealing number. I think this number probably should be closer to like the 49 range. So to me, I think I would jump on this. Anything in that 45, 46 range typically is very low any rate. 
and we're talking about a one-sided kind of game. And even if it is one-sided, it's hard not to imagine there's at least some garbage time productivity somewhere in there because of what this Ravens defense has given up in these last few weeks. So to me, 46 and a half, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the over. That's my strongest lean here. But Dan, how do you feel about this one too when you're looking at the seven and a half and the 46 and a half? Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think it forced to pick a side. I think seven and a half it where is where it lands by Thursday. I mean, again, we're, we're pretty close to game time anyway at this mm-hmm. point since we're recording this on Tuesday. So I think it sticks at seven and a half. I don't have a strong lean on it one way or another. I do like you, though, like the over. And again, the consensus line is 46 and a half. There are a lot of 46s out there, including from our sponsor, BetMGM. That's even more enticing. And I agree with you that the over is the play here. Don't forget, the Ravens defense was on the field that whole game. I mean, I, I as much as, you know, obviously they, they had more time possession, but that was an overtime game. Then you turn around and you have to play immediately. Like that defense, which already has plenty of holes because of all the injuries, is going to be tired. And realistically, the uh, offense for the Ravens, it's humming pretty well right now. So, you know, they're going to put up points. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. I'm in on the over. I would do it now. But again, if you can get a 46 out there, that makes it even more enticing. This one, Joe, this next one, I don't know. Seems like it's begging you, in my opinion, the line to take the Titans be- just because of like, who doesn't want to bet on the Titans right now? They're completely unstoppable. They're only laying three here to a Saints team that just lost to the Falcons in Tennessee. Total 44 and a half. Yeah, sometimes this is a good chalk, right? We look in a week and somehow we've looked up and the Titans are seven and two, despite all of the injuries, despite losing Derrick Henry, despite losing their receivers, having no receivers for a whole game where they did eventually lose to the Jets. But what's happening here is the, I think the pressure that this defensive front is getting now, and some of it is the coverage sacks, which we talked about together yesterday, but it's also the pressure they are getting up front a little bit. So it's a combination. If you're getting to the quarterback, that's a good thing. And if that quarterback is Trevor Simeon, if that quarterback is Taysom Hill, there's going to be some turnovers in this game. And turnovers do two things. Number one, it makes it harder for the other team to score, obviously, because you have a finite number of times where a team is going to have the football on offense and score. There's usually a range of those that you get every single game. And whenever you take one or two of them away, that becomes very difficult for a team. So to me, the Tennessee Titans' ability to do that and possibly create turnovers in this game is huge. And it's hard not to like Tennessee at home here. I think the New Orleans defense is good. Uh, They're very good against the run. They're not great against the pass. The Tennessee running back by committee that was on display, I think was good enough to get the job done. It's not going to be great, but at the same time, I think there's enough bodies where it's a little bit of confusion, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but it's the defense that's been coming on for the Tennessee Titans that I think the minus three is where I lean. I don't kind of screw around with this number here, the 44 and a half. That's very tricky, especially with the Saints using second and third string quarterbacks. That, to me, is very difficult to gauge. But on top of that, it's Tennessee's resilience that I think has been very impressive. And they're at home. So I think the three is actually a pretty good number here. I don't mind it. It strikes me as when you're looking at it, you're just thinking about it. The Titans are the play. Um, But this also strikes me as a very just sort of classic. You bet enough, Joe. I feel like you come Mm -hmm. to learn these spots where it just feels like a buy low, sell high sort of situation where it's like, well, there's a reason that it's only three. I need to dig into what that reason is, you know, I and if, I, I if you know ahead. why I think the reason is the defense and it's Alvin Kamara and the personnel. Sure. But they th- I think the, the thing you got to come back to is the quarterback situation. If this was Winston yeah. in this game, I would say, yeah, this is a perfect opportunity where you come back there and it looks great. Tennessee's riding high and then you put up a stinker and all of a sudden Winston ends up beating you. But Trevor yeah. Simeon, Taysom Hill, that's where I struggle, Dan. 
I think for me, I'm staying away from the game entirely. For now, I need to dig into it. We'll see how I feel on Thursday. Let's go to the third straight game for the Bills. <laughs> They're laying a whole bunch of points. They're on the road against the Jets. They are laying 13 right now. There are a couple of 13 and a halves out there, but the consensus line is 13, total 47 and a half. Bounce back spot for the Bills here or what? I think it is. Uh, 13 and a half is still a massive number, though. Um, so I don't feel comfortable with this. And the Bills should take it out on the Jets, theoretically, right? I think we're all looking at sure. this as, well, this is the get right game, right? But if we've learned anything from watching the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe there is no get right team for certainty. Like maybe certain teams just don't have as much as we want them to have or be exactly who they want them to be and be dominant. They've been dominant, right? But they've been dominant against, let's say, the, the Miami Dolphins, right? We're a team they've owned always. Now you go down there into Jacksonville and you basically just look embarrassed there by the Jaguars. Yeah, theoretically, this 13 and a half, I think it will probably grow as the week goes on with more confidence. My guess is this will get to 14 and a half, maybe even 15. And I think if you want to lock it in, now is the time to do it because I do think it's going to grow as we get closer and closer because it is the Jets and everybody will look at that and they will start to, with more distance from that game with Jacksonville, feel more confident in Buffalo. But the larger this number grows, the less I like it. 13 and a half feels right about there, the two touchdowns. But I got to tell you, Dan, uh, there's no comfort level here for me. The 47 and a half to me is the better number. Yeah, I don't think I really love either one. I I don't have a great feel for it. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe I'm just gun shy because, man, I did not know what to make of the Bills offense in that game. And, you know, I, I do think that there's a... a it's sort of like Chiefs light a little bit here, Joe, where I mm -hmm. think teams are playing them a little bit in the same way they're playing the the Chiefs in that they're taking away the explosive plays. They're making Josh Allen hold the ball, and it's causing some issues necessarily. The Jets should get back Mike White, of course, here, which I think is a positive for their offense. And they did just put up 30 points um, yeah. against the Colts. So maybe they can keep it close. You assume there's probably going to be points, but I don't know, man. I could also see the Bills being so angry. And just like, and what do the Bills do. and Chiefs have in common, Dan? <clears throat> they struggle to run the football with any kind of real consistency. And yeah. that's the thing. Like, when you become a one dimensional team, I don't care how much talent you have, one dimensional makes you easier to beat in the NFL. It makes you easier to scheme and game plan for. And that's what you're seeing, I think, happen to both these teams. Stefan Diggs is phenomenal talent. Yeah. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, all phenomenal talents. But if you can contain them and not let them beat you and force them to do other things they're uncomfortable with, Again, I think that number, especially with Mike White coming back, the Jets have shown a little spark. You're going to get Corey Davis back in this game, too. Uh, yep. Elijah Moore's looked very good. You've got the two running backs working right now. I think the overs is far more realistic than the 13 and a half. And again, if you like it, get it on now because I don't think it's going to last very long. Falcons are visiting the Cowboys. The consensus line is Cowboys laying nine points. Total is high, 55 points. What do you think? Give me the Falcon side of this one, 100%. Uh, okay. yeah, I mean, this is, this is, <laughs> look, I like the Cowboys team. I think they will be better than they were last week. I think last week was probably more of the anomaly, but this is a huge number to ask the Cowboys to cover here from Atlanta Falcons offense. That's starting to get comfortable with itself. You know, I understand no Calvin Ridley has been a, a huge loss for them, but at the same time, they've almost been operating without him most of the season anyway. So it's not too new. It feels like Matt Ryan looks more comfortable every single week in the Arthur Smith offense. It feels like you're getting productivity about these from these other wide receivers like Zacchaeus and like Gage when they're stepping up. And Cordero Patterson continues to be a thing. Now, Mike Davis isn't a thing, but this game feels like it's going to be a shootout. You, it looks from the total two of the 55. 
I don't think it's going to disappoint. I think it's going to come close to this, but the plus nine here, I love the Falcons to cover on this one. I think this is a great opportunity. I still think Dallas wins this game, and it might not be a, a, a thrashing victory necessarily. I feel confident, but plus nine, that's a huge number considering what the Cowboys looked like last week and how many yards that Cowboys defense continues to give up. They create turnovers, but they also give up yardage. I think that's the big thing. The Cowboys defense uh, is not, you know, they get credit because of all the turnovers, but mm -hmm. they're far from a lockdown unit at this point. I think you're going to see a bounce back spot. I think that was probably more likely due to the fact that Dak hadn't played in three weeks and it was just rust and everything like that. And I'm not quite sure why the Falcons were able to be so effective. I'm not willing to say, oh, they've sort of found their game now, you know, even without Calvin Ridley, it might have just been something where, look, the Saints defense is designed to take out your number one wide receiver. And, you know, this was not a wide receiver heavy team. And so maybe that's why the Falcons were able to move the ball so much. I don't know. I will say that the lines, the consensus line is nine. That is the uh, line that I see most often at most books. I have an eight and a half here at DraftKings. I see a 10 at points bet. So it's all over the place a little bit. I might tease. I'm still going to consider it for as long as DraftKings. I might tease them down and have the uh, Cowboys, because I do think they win this game. I think they have a bounce back here, laying two and a half, and get under that field goal if I'm there. But again, it's not a game in 55, man. Like, I think it goes over, but I, I have such a difficult time going with these huge numbers that are just routine now, Joe. Like, that's just what we see in today's Well, that's NFL. the NFL. The, uh, and that's why earlier, to the point we made about that Ravens game, Dan, yep. that's why you jump on the 46s. Because yeah. typically in this day and age of the NFL – 46, a lot of things are going wrong, and I just yeah. don't think that's going to happen on Thursday. Jaguars visiting the Colt contestant <laughs> line is 10. Colts laying 10, 47 and a half total. What do you think? I run away from this game. I want nothing to do with this because... You're not buying high on those Jags after no. that monstrous win? Well, here's the thing. I mean, the Indianapolis Colts have, I, I think, you know... <laughs> despite a couple moments here and there of where Carson Wentz looking comical, for the most part... You know, you, Jonathan Taylor has been spectacular. This is absolutely a game, theoretically, that he should run amok, be awesome. Pittman's been brilliant. Carson Wentz has been steady for the most part. You've got Hines contributing. you got Pascal contributing. You've got things working here where I think the confidence is building for them, and they're a good defensive team. But I don't know if what we saw last week was a complete anomaly or the beginning of Urban Meyer and, and the defense and everybody starting to kind of figure it out. And, and sometimes for certain teams... A win like that does have a little bit of windfall. It does carry over a little bit. And they are competitive after that because they start to think, hey, you know, maybe we're better than we think we are. We're going to build off this. And there's a confidence level that comes from that. It could also end very quickly. But to me, it's about is it investable? And I think right now, if that game didn't happen last week with the Buffalo Bills and Jaguars, yes, I would feel very good about this. And I would say this number, Dan, probably be closer to like 13 and a half. Would you agree? You know, I don't know, Joe. I... I, I I really wish I knew what the look ahead line was because that game, Joe, against the Bills, I don't know if that really inspires confidence in a team that won 9-6. Like, wow, defense, incredible and everything like that. But I think if you're only able to score nine points, it's hard to get too high on any given team. I think it would probably be 11, at least. I don't know if it would be quite that high as like 13. My guess is it moved a point or two. The big thing with me, though, Joe, there are two things, really. Number one is Trevor Lawrence is going to play. He, he's fine. Mm -hmm. But he did suffer a minor ankle sprain in that game. If that's going to limit his mobility, that is going to take it apart a little bit. But let's just say this. The Colts, like, destroyed the Jets last week, right? And you were three yeah. seconds away from a backdoor cover in that right. game. And when you have a spread this big, 
you could see the Colts just being like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to take my foot off the gas. There's a ten and a half out there, obviously, at BetMGM, at points bet. So I don't know, man. God, I hate to say this because I realize there are a lot of times where I have a lean with games. But this one is just a game that I want. I run away. I run away from it. <laughs> Even the total, by the way, Joe, because I could see the Jaguars not being able to score whatsoever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? They've Absolutely. been they've been terrible in spots where they should have scored too. If you go back to the game in Seattle, that should have been a really good game coming off the bye, good preparation yep. against a yep. defense that has given up a ton of yards, right? And instead they laid an egg there. So to me, yeah, this is why this game is a complete stay away. It's too big of a variance, too many outcomes, and when you start to think about that, you move away from investability. Bucks visiting Washington. Bucks are laying nine and a half. The total is fifty one and a half. Yeah, I actually feel comfortable with this nine and a half of the Bucks coming off the bye. Now I know both teams are coming off the bye, yep. but Washington and Taylor Heineke have looked much more human and much more inept. I know they're getting Logan Thomas back, so that's good. Yep. But at the same time, Ricky Seals Jones has been excellent. I wonder if they use both tight ends to a certain extent in this game. It's a it's a week off too from Antonio Gibson. We'll see how his health is, but there's too many questions here. Uh now the one thing the Washington football team should do well theoretically is get to the quarterback. Now, they've done it better recently than they did in the first six weeks of the season. It started to come on a little bit, but that is how you beat Tom Brady. I just feel like Tampa coming off the bye with more time to prepare in a Washington football team that is, you know, basically already done, I think, in this division. I don't know. It's hard not to think that the nine and a half is actually relatively safe. And I think it's also one that's going to grow probably to 10 or 10 and a half as we get to Sunday. I do think that if you like this line, as Joey does, then you go now for the nine and a half, because I don't really see it getting that much more enticing for you to get there. There's another one, Joe. I hate to do it. I, I just don't want to lay the big spread. I, I think the Bucks win, and I think the Bucks cover. But I have to pick mm-hmm. a side. I will go there. And I do think if you like the Bucks, you go. If you like Washington, you can wait. Uh, there's probably not going to be Antonio Brown here. I haven't seen anything on Gronk yet or anything like that. That does sort of, you know play a factor here and i want to see what washington is going to look like coming out of the bye there are variables that i'm not exactly sure how to account for so with the big spread uh, i don't feel great about it i feel a little bit better about this next one i am very interested to hear your opinion on it joe that's the browns visiting the patriots <laughs> the patriots right now are laying one and a half in foxborough the total is low 45 and a half now we can deal with uh you know what we heard shortly before we started recording which is the fact that nick chubb and Dimitri Felton and I believe John Kelly are all on the COVID list. I believe they tested positive. They are vaccinated. So I think it is possible that they may be able to return for this game. But I think it's sounding like seems unlikely that they're going to be able to return. Now, there could be more cases from this. They've obviously Mm -hmm. had something from the running back room. So who even knows if their lone healthy running back at this point, Dearness Johnson, is going to be able to play. But you also have question marks on the other side of the ball with the running backs for the Patriots, where we haven't heard very much about Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson. So Pat's at home, one and a half, low total here at 45 and a half. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, this is a low total that I don't think is going to disappoint. I think it's going to be oh, a yeah. lower total. I think it's going to yep. be an ugly defensive game. This has like 16, 13 kind of written all over it. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be ugly. Uh, and ugly games tend to favor the Patriots. So um, Patriots on the money line, I think are minus 124. Uh, but the one and a half, if you want to push the envelope just a little there, is the minus 110. So I would lean to the Patriots side with this Nick Chubb news. Now, before this Nick Chubb news, different story. Yep. Uh, I would really have given them a chance. In fact, I would have taken probably Cleveland on the money line 
uh, before because it was actually a higher number than it is right now, which is mm-hmm. now plus 106, but it was better <laughs> just a few hours ago. Yeah. Um, but it feels like New England is playing with a lot of confidence. I think, you know, and we talked about this together. Sometimes you take something out of a loss. And I think they took a lot out of that loss to Tampa it was like, we can compete with the Super Bowl champions. And then they had this game with Dallas and they were neck and neck with them. And then the ball went back and forth and eventually they lost that game. But you felt like, wow, we can compete with this offense. We can compete with the, we can compete here with these better teams in the NFC. And I think collectively, we can all agree that the AFC is not nearly the juggernaut that the NFC is. So this is an intriguing matchup here. I think the Browns are coming off a very emotional win. I don't know if that carries over. And yeah. Baker Mayfield, I think, is going to see a lot of confusing looks here, especially if he's going to be forced to throw the football a lot more, which is a problem because this, this secondary, I mean, Adrian Phillips, two picks two weeks ago against the Chargers. Uh, you got last week, you got the several interceptions, obviously, from Sam Darnold, J.C. Jackson. These guys are ball hawks. Duggars played very well at safety. I'm telling you right now, it's a very dangerous spot here for Baker Mayfield, who when you don't have Nick Chubb in that play action, he becomes a bit of a liability because he likes to get a little loosey-goosey with the football. That's a bad situation here. I would go with the Patriots in this one with the one and a half. Yeah, I don't – I here's the one thing. I don't think you have to bet this one either way at the moment. It's one and a half. I mean, if it moved in the other direction and somehow the Patriots were getting one and a half, really doesn't mean that much, really, when you're cross zero or anything like that. I lean towards the Browns here, Joe, even with it. I, You know, bud, we talk about this a lot. I have trouble buying into the Patriots team. Now, I realize they played mm-hmm. very well against the Bucs, and that was a little bit of a jumping-off point, and they played very well against Dallas. I think there might have been extenuating circumstances for that. Then they beat up on the Jets. Justin Herbert always struggles, essentially, when he plays Bill Belichick's defense. And Carolina is Sam Darnold and, you know, ridiculousness. I still don't trust their offense all that much, which is the problem with going against you know an above average defense like Cleveland has especially when they're able to get a pass rush on Mac Jones when he has to go and if they are limited at running back I think it affects them more even than it affects the Browns not having Nick Chubb which we saw when uh, you know Dearness Johnson subbed in against Denver in that one game so this is tough for me I do think that the point that you brought up Joe which is the letdown here for Cleveland I mean that was you got rid of Odell Beckham Jr. You got to face a division rival, Cincinnati, who's sort of on top of the world. Everybody was very excited about them, despite the Jets' loss. And then you just go out and you just maul them entirely. Like, this then comes in and is a letdown spot, for Mm -hmm. sure. That is really what gives me pause. But I'm interested because I just, I'm not buying yet this Patriots team as an elite. I think their defense is very good. I don't buy it as an elite defense. And I think the offense, really, if you you play a game script where, uh, you know, you make Mac Jones do things, makes me a little worried. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just I don't like when I'm made to do things. I hate when you make me do things. You're like, <laughs> Joe, right. will you go do this show with me? And I say... I'd rather not, Dan. And I, I, do just, it anyway. I, I think if you're in a position where Mac Jones, and again, I, I live in New England. I know you're a Patriots fan. I yeah. live in New England. And the number of people who now think Mac Jones is an absolute savior where I'm like, he's a fine game manager. I think yeah. if you put the game on him to win. And I, I the one thing I do is I love, um, I think the Browns are a different team without Odo Beckham Jr., both mm-hmm. from just the way they play and the way 100%. Baker Mayfield plays and just from a psyche perspective, man. Yeah, like, but I they're also a different team without Nick Chubb. And I, I don't care what Jordan very... Johnson did on the one-off. Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs on the planet. You take him away, again, what you take away is the play action from Baker Mayfield. And it's not the same quarterback. When Dearness Johnson was, right? So yep. Dearness Johnson 
played with another quarterback, not Baker Mayfield. I'm just saying I think there's a lot of variables now we put this into for the Cleveland Browns, and I would be very hesitant of it. And you're right, Mac Jones is a game manager, but you can win a lot of football games with a game manager quarterback and a great defense, and that's what the Patriots have, and they're at home. I know they've lost some games at home early in the year, but I think that's when they were trying to find their identity. I think they've got it now, and I think they realized their identity, and I think they're improving every week, and the confidence keeps growing, and that's the dangerous thing. We talk about confidence this time of year. We're into the double-digit weeks. They're the teams that are feeling better about themselves as the season goes on. The teams are feeling worse. I worry about their letdown a little bit, but this is going to be an ugly game. And after that, maybe maybe we should just play the under, considering we've talked yeah. ourselves into how disappointing be, right? these yeah. teams are. Yeah, it might be. Unders are horrible to play in the NFL right now, just watching, except this past week, which was fine. Um, but I will say I appreciate you not wearing your Chub Club shirt as we get into this. All right, let's get to our next game here. It is the Lions visiting the Steelers fresh off that Narrow victory over the Bears. Uh, the Steelers at home are laying nine. Total is 42 and a half. We do have some injury concerns, admittedly, for the Steelers. Chase Claypool, I haven't seen anything yet today, Joe, but he did get banged up there at the end of the game. So what do you think about this one? This is another dangerous one, and it's because typically the Lions compete. Now, I know the last time we saw the Lions, they got their doors blown off by the freaking Eagles. Yep. But at the same time, the weeks before that, you saw a team that they go out there and they fight. They don't have nearly the talent to compete. That is the problem and to be competitive, but or at least to win a football game. But their effort level can never be in question. And that's something that's always very dangerous when you see a double digit close number. Now, once this gets into the double digits, this is very much, I think, a, a scary place where I probably don't want to get involved. The good news is that the Steelers defense, I think, collectively this year is, is back on track. Uh, start off a little shaky at times there, but I think they're getting into a better place. It was nice to see Justin Fields, as you said, start to look more confident and, and things going their way a little bit. But look, at the end of the day, this is the Lions going into Pittsburgh. Uh, so you would imagine, yes, the Pittsburgh Steelers should be able to take this nine and should be comfortable. But once it starts to cross the double digit threshold, I start to get a little bit more concerned, Dan. I think this is another one of those games, as you mentioned earlier, if you like it, lock it in now before it moves anymore. Yeah, I I could see hitting the Lions if it got beyond 10. I don't necessarily think it'll get there because I think I think when you look at this game, the quote-unquote sharp money and the big money is probably going to keep it in check, generally speaking, keep mm -hmm. the books from moving it too high. But I cannot back a Mike Tomlin-led Steelers team at home as nearly a double-digit favorite. I definitely can't. So at 9, I'm personally staying away from it. I could see them winning even on a short week, of course, even with the Lions off of 5. But the Lions compete. They will keep it as close as possible. I'm not going near the spread. I'm really tired of taking like the low Steelers, uh, not going near the over-under. I'm sorry. Mm -mm. I'm really tired of taking the low Steelers like totals right now and hoping and then see what happens then. <laughs> but this is probably more of a stay away for me. If it gets above double digits, uh, I might, I mean, above 10, I might take the lines there. Interesting one here, Joey. Uh, Vikings are visiting the Chargers. Mm -hmm. Chargers are laying two and a half. The total is 52. What do you think? I think Vikings on the money line, plus 124. This is how you make money in this game. The Vikings are Jekyll and Hyde. The Vikings are a hot mess. The Vikings are, uh, at any given week, awesome in a quarter and then terrible the next. But the thing that they're starting to do more, and you started to see a little bit more with the Ravens, is run the football in that game last week, right? Get the ball to Dalvin Cook, run the football, find a little bit of toughness here. And that is the Achilles heel of the Chargers. And it's a little bit different when Boston Scott and Jordan Howard are running the football in front of you 
than when Dalvin Cook is running the football. I think this is a unique opportunity here where you saw some moments out of that defense and you talk about tired defenses. Man, how exhausted is that Vikings defense after chasing Lamar Jackson for 112 yards? But I would say this too, even with that, you saw the heart of this defense start to step up a little bit in that overtime, that incredible play by Barr where he actually has not only the deflection, but then the interception as well in the same play. And you say, this is the moment. You've got to score here. And of course, they fail, right? Because they're the Vikings and they're maddening. But after that, you knew the game was over because that was their one opportunity. But the fact that that defense didn't quit against Lamar Jackson is a very good sign. The Chargers are a little soft. I'm just going to say it. This is what they are. They have talent, but they're a little bit of a soft team. And they've always been a soft team. And it's why sometimes you see them struggle in certain games. And I think this is a perfect scenario where we look at a line, we say the Chargers should be favored, the Chargers are at home, the Chargers are going to win this football game, and the Minnesota Vikings are maddening and frustrating. But I would go right to the Vikings. This is the upset special of the week. This is the game where if you look at a healthy Vikings offense that's got Cook, that's got Thielen, that's got Jefferson, that's a lot to contend with for a good but not great Charger defense. I think there's a real opportunity here potentially for an upset, and I think Vikings on the money line at 124 plus 124 is where I'd go. Yeah, I think this is the spot where just historically you buy the Vikings, you buy Mike Zimmer getting his team ready to play, you buy that defense sort of coming together. You buy them when you're sort of coming off a crushing loss and you're like, oh, they can't sort of rally from this. Every time. And again, it's a buy low, sell high spot, which is the best types of spots to bet because the Chargers coming off that big Mm -hmm. win, Justin Herbert playing out of his mind, almost perfect football there. So it's a spot to sell them. I'm still going to wait. Again, I'm not going to run to bet this because I do like the Vikings. So right now, at least as I first look at it, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to run to bet it. If you like the Chargers, I would bet it now because I I think there is a bigger chance. I mean, it's it's not going to move that much in the Vikings direction anyway, whether you get a two and a half or one and a half, not a huge tip. But I think there's a risk that it would get to three here for the Chargers as probably the public comes in to back the Chargers. So if you like the Vikings and especially on the money line like you, uh, I if you like the Vikings, I would wait even on the money line because I, I don't think it gets much worse uh, for you. I think it only gets better. Do you have any feelings on the total, Joe? Do you think it's going to go under the 52 just because of the fact that, you know, you're liking the uh, the Vikings defense a little more? Uh, I think it's going to come very close to it. So close that I, I want to stay away from it. Away. That's why I think the, the best wager here is, you know, which you should do probably, in my opinion, the way it shapes up this week. Take two of those lock things like if you feel like it's. It's the Steelers and the Bucks or whatever, whatever teams you think are in the best position here. Uh, and then you can either take that Falcons number or the nine or this yeah. win outright, potentially mm-hmm. on the money line of the Vikings. I think you can make a nice little parlay with some of those combinations this week of some of those massive favorites that you feel good about that we talked about and yep. then throw in one of those things that feels like a cover, feels like this, uh, feels like maybe an outright upset. But look, I mean, how many times do we have to learn about the Chargers that, you know, right. the Chargers, when push comes to shove, they fall apart <laughs> many, many times. Yeah. I don't even know how we're supposed to analyze the Panthers visiting the Cardinals at this point. Um, but we do because we're here. The consensus line is the Cardinals laying 10 and the total at 44 and a half. We don't know who's starting a quarterback for the Cardinals. We don't know who's starting a quarterback for the Panthers. We don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is going to play. We don't know almost anything about this game. So if as a better, Joe, you're sitting here. This uh, point spread is 10. The total is 44. Just like, okay, I don't know anything. I'm just staying away. Or is there some sort of value that you think can be locked in right now? I don't see the value because the other weird thing is if it is PJ Walker and Colt McCoy at the end of the day, right? You do have Christian McCaffrey back. And that's a game-changing kind of player in his second game back, right? 
First game back, you know, against the Patriots, tough defense, all this stuff. Not that the Cardinals aren't a good defense. They are. But it's a little different. Um, I don't know. I, I think that when you look at the four outcome games, as we always like to talk about them, to me, I run away. I want nothing to do with it, especially when you don't have clarity at the quarterback position. That makes things very difficult. If anything, if anything, if I had to pick one thing, I would I would probably give a little respect to the Carolina Panthers defense and I would go on the plus 10 because there's something about that that feels like, you know, that that defense is a little bit different than a 49er defense. The Panthers defense is very physical. They like to hit you. They like to get out there a little bit. And I think that's a little different. And also Chase Edmonds, you didn't mention him. He's going to be out for that game too. So you're looking at probably, you know, Benjamin also getting some carries along with James Conner. So too many variables for me. If I had anything inclination right now would be Carolina on the plus 10 because it is a double digit number uh, and that defense is good. And typically those, that combination of things is, is good enough to invest in. Yeah, I'm running as far as away from this <laughs> game. Fair. I mean, I just I just don't have no idea what to do. I don't know if PJ Walker is an upgrade over Sam Darnold <laughs> at this point. And, and I, this I might be an upgrade over Sam Darnold. You point. might be. If I can still throw the there. football. It's just there. a game I have no interest uh, in whatsoever <laughs> at all. Completely, I don't mind saying that. I do have interest in this game, Joe. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. Broncos laying three to the Eagles with the total of forty-four in Denver. Uh, this is the one I want to run away from. Because the Broncos are another one of these teams where, you know, every time you think they're going in one direction, they go in the other. And I feel like this is a huge trap, right? They're coming off this great victory. They put an absolute whooping on the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas in their building. And now, theoretically, you're going at home against an Eagles team that, again, Eagles are frustrating. They are very up and down. They're very all over the place. That makes them very difficult to invest in, but also makes them very difficult to invest against. And that reason alone, when you put these two teams together in an environment like Denver with the altitude, there's a lot here I don't care for. If anything, that 44, which is also a low number, ugh, I wish it was 46 or something like that. Yeah. If it was 46 or 47 and a half, yep. I would say, let's go to the under, but we're already sitting at 44 and that's yep. pretty low already. So this is a very frustrating setup the way the lines are right now. So in the early lines, I don't see any value with this game. Therefore, I run away. I'm taking the Eagles at plus three. Um, and I, I don't think I, there is a couple of plus two and a halves out there, which is makes me more nervous about it. I think the Eagles have found the formula to keep a game close, which is please don't rely on Jalen Hurts to keep the game close. I think they're going to run the ball, which you can now against Denver, as mm-hmm. they have suffered some injuries going here. And I think that also allows when you establish the run the way you do, that allows Jalen Hurts to, you know, have fewer pass attempts, but be more effective with those pass attempts. Conversely, with the Broncos, they're coming off, you know, this huge unit performance right now. But P.S., they suffered a lot of injuries. I mean, Glasgow's out on the offensive line. They've got a bunch of offensive line injuries. You know, they didn't, you know, the fact that they lost Callahan a couple of weeks ago. They're dealing with some injuries that we're just not really talking about that much. And this is sort of where normally going into mile, uh, you know, into into Denver, is not where I want to attack. You could still road call game. it mile high. You're yeah, allowed. you're allowed. Like, yeah, I, we don't I know. I still do that. I it's still Dan do that. Harris Field, I think, right I now. Mean, I don't know what I, the sponsorship. I'll, I will call it. I hate sponsors. I was like mile Denver. Betting Bros um, Stadium. <laughs> that's true. We should actually someday. Get Good call. We should do that. Um, yeah, I would go. I, I I think in the end, I think the Eagles might win this game outright. I think this is a good sell of the Broncos spot here, um, despite the fact that they are obviously getting healthier at wide receiver. I think the Eagles do come in here and win this game. I will still take the three points, though, because I do think 
that the likelihood of the Eagles getting completely blown out here are minimal at this point. I like what they have been doing. I still think their defense is strong. There you go in the roster. Um, so I do think for me, I would take the Eagles so long as you get three or above. Completely agree on the total. Get me out with the total. I think it's going to be low scoring, but 44, there's no value in that. Like if it gets up to 46, Joe, I, I'm in agreement with you. Then I right. might hit the under at this point. Because again, two teams that want to run the ball a lot. But that's it. Here is uh, here's going to be a fun one, Joe. Uh, the Seahawks are visiting the Packers. Right now, the Packers are laying three and a half points, and the total is 49 and a half. You know what I think you do? I think you hit the Seahawks number now. I do. Mm-hmm. I, I think you hit the Seahawks in the three and a half right now. And then if Aaron and, and look, and you understand that if Aaron Rodgers plays, that it very well, you know, <laughs> it's not good. a terrible number, though. I mean, Russell no, Wilson's going to come back in this game. We know that. Right. You're getting Wilson. Right. mentioned that coming in right from the start. You, you, you hit the three and a half. Be. But here's yeah. the thing. What happens is if Aaron Rodgers is out, Dan, what does the line then become? Right. Yeah. I, mean, I would imagine much? we're looking at six and a half minus side on on the Seahawks. That's what I would I put it that guess. I would I would put it as like a. Did you watch six. Jordan Love play quarterback? I did time? watch Jordan Love play, um, and they almost won that game. I would put it probably. We'll, we'll get a, to the Chiefs in a second. Like I'd that. probably put it at like a six point six to seven point swing, where you're looking at mm-hmm. the Packers at home in Lambeau still. Wilson's first game back. The Seahawks aren't that impressive anyway. I would look at it as probably the Packers. Get maybe this this spread in reverse, Joe. The Packers getting three three and a half is how I would think that. I I think it's going to be much bigger than that because Wilson's back and because what Jordan Love was last week. And once there's more tape on you with Jordan Love too, that's the worst. The best opportunity Jordan Love had to be good was last week. Well, I will. It was last week before everybody knew what his pluses and minuses were. I think a lot of people knew what his. A lot of people knew what his pluses and minuses were, but I, I do think also it's a different ball game when you are going into Arrowhead, still called Arrowhead, right? Which is a very difficult place to play. His it's Joe Pizzapia Field, I believe. His, his mom gets the worst seats in the house. Um, he, it's a very, very difficult place to play. It's a hostile environment. It's always been one of the better home field advantages, as opposed to coming home, where you've got everybody who's going to be rooting for you a, another week, at least to prepare. I don't think it's going to be quite as bad as we saw necessarily, um, oh, I but I, I understand <laughs> For me, Joe, honestly, like this might be a spot where you right now tease them up, tease them up to nine and a half at this point. Right. Because even if Rogers plays, Joe, even if he's cleared, which, again, I've just been assuming and the books have not moved the line since mm-hmm. those comments. Those comments. So my guess is they're like, OK, you're not a doctor. We assume you're going to get it cleared. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we've all can agree that Aaron Rodgers, in terms of his medical awareness, is not necessarily the guy we want to take our advice. But from. like, for example, at points bet, it's four and a half. Like, if you can get that to 10 and a half, man, I would love that. I'm a big fan of the two-team teaser, even if it burned me last week with me sort of thinking I was very smart by getting the Chiefs down to one and a half point favorite. Good. The 49ers up to seven and a half point uh, favorites when they were uh, a one and a half point dog. That did not work out for me. But all I can say about this, Dan, is is cool story, bro. (laughs) Cool story about what Jordan Love could be in front of the Green Bay Packer fans. And yeah, that would be nice and stuff. But once again, yes, you saw a game film of him in college and all that stuff, but that's different. When you're at the NFL level and you see certain things going on and you understand, well, he struggles here and he struggles with this kind of a, if we press him from this, all of a sudden, once there's more tape on you, it becomes infinitely more difficult. And that's why you see sometimes the backup quarterback have a lot of success or the rookie quarterback come out. Oh, look how good he's the savior. He's great. And then what happens? It completely falls apart typically in the two to three games after. If you go back and watch Geno Smith with just the Seahawks, right? That game he came in, 
he was looking good. He's throwing the ball around. Yeah, Alvin is like, okay, now let's game plan for him. Let's let's show him defensive looks that are going to be real problems for him. And and yes, you are right. They were still in that game, but that was not because of Jordan Love. That was in spite of Jordan Love. And I think if Love plays, I think there's a huge swing. I would stick with the Seattle side now. And then if you get the Aaron Rodgers news, he's not playing. You double down on it hard. I don't care what the number is. You go all into it again and you double up on it. That's the approach, I think, for this game right now. Good enough for me. Let's go to the Chiefs visiting the Raiders on Sunday Night Football. The Chiefs are laying two and a half. Uh, The total's 51 and a half. I have less of a feel for this Chiefs team than I do for anything in life whatsoever. Uh, What do you do here on the road division game against a team with uh, a better record laying two and a half points? What do you think, Joe? I think the under. And especially with that hook on the 51 and a half. That's what I think. Because if you look at what the Chiefs offense has not done, it's convert. And I will say this, too. Um, I know it wasn't the best outing, but typically, you know, whenever the Raiders have to go cross country, they always struggle. And they, for some reason, they yeah. always look terrible in Met. I don't know if they, uh, in the Meadowlands, for some reason, I don't know why the Raiders go in there. If they're playing the Jets, they're playing the Giants the last couple of years, maybe they need another hotel to stay at. I don't know what's going on. Maybe they should stay by the airport. They should stay somewhere else. They should stay at the Hilton and not the Marriott. I don't know what's going on for this team. All I know is that for some reason, that's not a good gauge of who they are. But I will say this. They will get up for play to play this game. They yep. know this game's on the schedule. I think that was also part of what you saw last week a little bit is looking ahead a little bit. And like, well, we know, well, we can, you know, play the Giants right now. But yeah, we know that this is the game coming up against the Chiefs that really matters. And the ineptitude of the Chiefs offense, every everything should have screamed the other side. They had so many opportunities and they continue to struggle. Mahomes continues to struggle. And then you look in the in-division matchup and how tough those are typically and how these teams play each other tight. I don't know how the most appealing number isn't the 51 and a half personally. Yeah. I mean, I even if it's a 30-20 game at the end of the day. Yeah. And I will say there are a couple of books that MGM, one of them, 52 and a half. So that's even you better. might want it. That's uh, not a bad. Uh, I think, you know, again, I I agree. The Chiefs offense, like I can't imagine whatever happens, Joe, whether or not they're able to figure this out by the time things get really meaningful. I don't think they're walking into this game being like, we figured it out. Everything's back to normal. We're 100 percent. We are operating at full capacity at this point because they have had every opportunity to do so in the last few weeks and they just have not gotten it. So, yeah, I'm with you. All right. I'm going to hit the under. I like it, Joe. Last one here. Monday Night Football Rams are visiting the 49ers. The Rams here are laying four points and the total is 49 and a half. What do you think? Uh, right now the Rams on Fando, I see are three and a half. So that's, you know, again, maybe that's the spot where you want to go to that one. But I will say, I know the Rams have kind of looked a little shaky the last few weeks, right? You look a little shaky against, uh, against Detroit. And then you look a little shaky against the Tennessee Titans. And, and I get all that, but I've watched the San Francisco 49ers just lose to Colt McCoy. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't get past that, Dan. I just can't do it. I don't care where this game is. I don't care if they're playing this game on the moon, San Francisco. It doesn't matter to me. I think the Rams come back in a big way in this one and really stick it to the 49ers. And Jimmy Garoppolo has not played well, nor his confidence level uh, can be raised by Kyle Shanahan's postgame comments, which is, yeah, he basically what Kyle Shanahan said was, yes, Jimmy Garoppolo played quarterback today. Yes, <laughs> he was the quarterback. Yes. And you can't throw Lance to the Wolves either. That's not what Correct. you want to do in this game either. So you're kind of stuck. And I think when yeah. you're kind of stuck, he got Debo kind of banged up, too. It's a bad situation here. I think the Rams get right. I think they will go back to the drawing board after a rough couple weeks, which might end up proving very well for them 
down the stretch and into the playoffs. If you're going to struggle as a team, struggle now. Come out of the gate strong, struggle in the middle, finish strong, good momentum in the playoffs. I still think the Rams are the most complete team in the NFL when you look at all those things. But I think right now they got to do a little soul searching and realize, hey, now everybody knows exactly who we are. They're gunning for us. We need to step it up a little bit. And I think you'll see that in this in-division game here against the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, I think everything screams like obviously take the Rams in this mm-hmm. one. Divisional games make me nervous, Joe. I'm not yeah, going to lie. Like it just does, especially with these two teams. I kind of actually, and and maybe this is the wrong way to look at it, especially for me where it's 48 and a half at DraftKings, it's 49 and a half. I think there is going to be some scoring here. I think you're going to see the um, the Rams come out offensively and just be like, okay, we need to get that taste out of our mouth right now and we need to put up some points. And I do think that the Rams defense, uh, it's... I'm not going to say it's overrated. I'm going to say that the strengths of the Rams defense, I don't know if they're really going to be able to match up perfectly with what the 49ers do offensively. When you have all three of Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle healthy, I think that's going to really open up some lanes. Now with another week back, I like the over here at 48 and a half for me, 49 and a half generally speaking. I may wind up on the Rams, but I just feel like Joe with this on a Monday night game, nationally televised game, mm-hmm. Everything is telling you to take the Rams, and that's when I get nervous to take them. You know what I mean? In Not a great offensive game. line, though, for the 49ers, yeah. too. That's the other thing very to true. out there. It's and when you true. have Aaron Donald and you might have Von Miller finally playing in this game, too, I think that, you know, he wasn't on the field this past week after they acquired him. I think yep. I think they're going to get to whoever the quarterback is and probably yep. going to be Garoppolo, and I think that's going to cause the problems in this game. I think this is a game where the Rams show up a little bit more defensively, and you make a good point. I think the thing with the Rams, just typically speaking, because of the structure of the team, you know how we talk in fantasy terms about stars and scrubs? That's kind of the Rams. Like, the Rams are the guy who went into the auction for players and went, I want Aaron Donald and I want Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford and stuff. But then when you get to the underbelly of the Rams, it's not as good in some of those other spots. And I think that's, they're a very up and down team sometimes because of that. But when the high pieces, the good pieces are playing so well, that's when the Rams are at their best. And I think you're going to see a little bit more of that this week. I do think that if you, that if the Titans who, again, without Derrick Henry are not an explosive offense at this point, mm-hmm. I think if the Titans had wanted to in that game, they could have put up two more touchdowns. If they, if they needed it, if they weren't playing in a positive game script where they were just sort of trying to take drives, take time off and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I think they could have, I think the Rams defense is definitely beatable by a scheme, especially with the way the 49ers run, where you're not having, you know, Jalen Ramsey take out the number one wide receiver or anything like that, because, you know, the average depth of target usually isn't really there. So I do think there are going to be points scored here. I'm less certain about the spread, but you make some decent points, Joe, as you always do. And I appreciate you stopping by here, making time for us. I'm not going to tell you you're on this podcast. You host the college football podcast. I'm not going to have you remind everybody where you can catch you, but you can catch Joe here hosting the college football episode of this podcast. And of course, over at fantasy pros doing a lot of stuff at betting pros as well. So that will be the next podcast that you hear from this feed will be the college football podcast. And then I will be back later in the week, giving you our three best NFL bets for week 10. I will talk to you again. then. 